Hey, welcome to Life in the Leadership Lane. I'm your host, Bruce Waller, where I get to talk to leaders that have made a difference in the workplace and in our communities. What did they do to get started and what are they doing to stay there? And today we are talking to Rachel Kennedy. She is the founder and president of Southern Lighthouse, and I am so excited to have you on the show. Hey, Rachel. Hey, good morning. I'm super excited to be here, Bruce. Thank you. You know, I was, uh, we were talking offline. I was thinking about the last time. I always like to, whenever I have a, a new guest on the show, I always like to, you know, reflect on when's the last time we, well, the first time we met or, you know, when, when did I first learn about you? And for you, I remember seeing you at TalentNet 2019. You were speaking at the conference and I believe it was at Whole Foods in Austin. Do you remember that? I do. I do. That was actually a super fun event because we got to go behind the scenes and actually see the Whole Foods office, their headquarters there in Austin. Uh, so that was a super memorable event. I definitely remember that. Yeah. Craig Fisher is the founder of TalentNet. I need to get Craig on the show. Uh, that guy is amazing. But there's one thing that stood out. And I remember uh, I posted a quote that you had said during your session, it was very impactful. You had incredible energy and you said, are you here because the culture is great or is the culture great because you are here? That's right. And I remember posting something on social media that was so impactful. So we're gonna talk about, yeah, we're gonna talk about culture. We're going to talk about uh, talent acquisition. I know that you're certified as a talent acquisition strategist. We're going to talk about pivoting uh, during, of course, the last couple of years. And then, of course, marketing. So, man, I'm super excited you're on the show. And as we uh, kick this off, I would love for you to share a little bit about your organization, Southern Lighthouse, and how do you serve your customers? Thanks so much, Bruce. Yes, Southern Lighthouse is a marketing consulting firm. We have two primary superpowers. One is writing and the other is strategy. And we really help small and medium-sized businesses help get out there, get noticed, and connect better with their customers. So many of my clients really want to share their story. They want to share their culture. They want to attract better talent. And they want to connect more deeply with their customers. So I strategize on how to do that with them. So when it comes to tactical implementation, that looks like writing company newsletters, writing blog articles, profiling leaders, managing email communications, writing fun executive bios, writing LinkedIn posts, and writing company stories on their websites. Um, I also have a partner who manages graphics, logo design, and web design, so we can offer more of a complete solution to our customers. That is fantastic. Oh, man, I want to dive into that. And first of all, I love when you said superpowers. You know, my middle name is Wayne, Bruce Wayne. I am Batman. Um, so that is fantastic. Hey, um, you know, you mentioned sharing stories, and I think that's a big miss today. There's so much opportunity in sharing stories, isn't there? I totally agree. And, you know, I think about it in my background in recruitment, um, tell me the story of the last time, you know, you had to deal with this budget or tell me the story of how you got here. Tell me about what you do day to day. Um, people often just answer with yes, no questions or short little blurbs, but people remember stories and stories are what makes things meaningful. So whether you're a candidate or whether you are a company, it's really important to share your story. 
I love that. And, you know, this is one of the areas I love, and that is uh, starting the show with our guests sharing their story. And I would love for you to share the Rachel Kennedy story. Like, <laughs> where did you grow up and how in the world did you get into, of course, you HR, talent acquisition, and now you're an entrepreneur. What, what, how, did you, how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, I like to say I fell in sideways to HR. <laughs> I grew up in San Antonio. I fell in love in fifth grade with writing. I had a great fifth grade teacher who asked me to join her creative writing club. We ate popcorn every Friday at her house and just wrote creative stories. And she gave me the confidence that my words matter. Um, I went on to graduate from Austin College and there I was exposed to travel. After I graduated, I backpacked around Eastern and Western Europe for a year and got to see 20 countries. After I came home, there was an opportunity to lead a cultural exchange program where I had a group of 15 year olds who wanted to spend the summer in Denmark and then their Danish counterparts came and stayed with us in Dallas. Um, so that was a way to further delay the real world and figuring out what I wanted to do. Um, so the last night of that program, um, two of the parents, Betsy and Rick Delmani, um, asked me, what are you going to do with your life now? <laughs> I said, I don't know. And they said, well, you've kept this group of teenagers alive over the course of the summer in Denmark. Why don't you come and interview with us for a human resources job in Dallas at the Beck Group? Um, if you can keep a group of teenagers alive, you can probably handle adults. And so I think you've got some of the skills it takes to do that. Um, because in HR, it's all about taking care of people. Um, so I interviewed and got an HR coordinator job at Beck in Dallas as my first job. Uh, there I built an internship program and a mentorship program. I honed my superpowers of listening and asking questions and storytelling in that job. And then I moved to manage talent acquisition at the Container Store, and I was introduced to these two concepts, employer branding and recruitment marketing, and I totally fell in love. Um, it was really the perfect intersection of talent acquisition and marketing, and I got really excited by the marketing side of it. I had been in talent acquisition my whole career, but the marketing piece was new and fun. So during the pandemic, I moved, I pivoted out of talent acquisition into marketing to start my own business, the Southern Lighthouse. So, you know, throughout my career, writing has always been a thread. And I find that that fifth grade teacher um, was right. Those words really do matter. I love that. Words really do matter. That is absolutely fantastic. I, uh, man, there is so much here. I want to ask so many questions. And one of the questions I have is, you know, you had someone that, and by the way, the Beck Group, uh, I did not realize you were there first until I started doing some research. And of course, we have a mutual friend there, Holly, or that was their uh, former uh, HR leader, Holly Crowder. Yes. And Holly, um, I'll tell you a funny story. You know, I created this mentor program and I was like, I need to mentor myself you know, and I had worked with Holly in the same department and I had gone to her for questions and I had really built a solid relationship with her. She was such a great guide and still is. Um, and I was just complaining to her one day. I was like, Holly, I, I just need to find a mentor. And she goes, Rachel, what do you think I am? <laughs> and I was like, 
well, you're a, a great guide who helps me through things and is inspirational. And, you know, all of these things she already was. And I thought you had to have a formal conversation with someone to ask them to be your mentor, but that's really not the case. I really find that sometimes mentorship happens organically and it doesn't have to have a formal conversation or be a part of a formal program. And that's really what Holly was for me at back and, and still is to this day. That is such a great story. I love that. You know, uh, we both know Camille Tate, who was there before. And yes. of course, today, Christine Burgess and uh, Shelly Anderson is, is over there. Um, man, that is great. Well, speaking of mentors, I always like to ask the question around mentorship, because I really feel like uh, people that I've interviewed, the guests on the show that live life in the leadership lane, they all have that common thread. And that is they've had mentors that have helped them on their journey. You just mentioned Holly, any other mentors that stand out? Yes, especially since pivoting into marketing, I found it really important to talk to people who are in this space and have been doing this before. So there are two women I call on or text very frequently. Uh, Sarah Kynard has her own marketing company in Dallas. And then also Maggie McMahon uh, used to be my babysitter as a child. <laughs> started her own uh, marketing company in San Antonio. So I, I have those two on speed dial and um, ask them regularly uh, for help and guidance. Let me, let me ask you a question. I know you talked about when you got to container store, you found like you found your lane, uh, a term I, I like to use, and that is recruitment marketing and employer branding. And I, of course, you know, so just uh, for those listeners, uh, that that uh, share what what is recruitment marketing and employer branding? Yeah, great question. And this was a new concept to me, and it really has evolved in just about the last five years. Um, when I was at Container Store, I was actively engaging in looking for candidates, filling positions. And I started asking, how did you hear about us or what made you apply? And people would say, oh, I, I went to the store and I had a really good experience or I'm on your email list. And so it was kind of top of mind or I saw your billboard or my grandson worked in your warehouse last summer. So I started learning about all of these touch points that people have with a company that ultimately make them decide to apply somewhere. So recruitment marketing is that journey all of those touch points along the way that give you a feeling, ideas, and an impression of a company of what it's like to work there, what are their values, what are they all about? And so it's being intentional on the employer side to make sure that that's a positive experience, having positive glass door reviews, having good experiences for customers online and in the store. And so um, I really got interested in that journey of um, what makes someone apply and then being intentional about the face that you're putting out there. That's fantastic. I, I love that. The touch points, you know, uh, I think a lot of people um, think about that, but not maybe not as intentional, right? right? They're like, they know all those are important, but being intentional is a whole different story. Um, I love that. So now that you are in, you know, this position where you are responsible for everything, of course, as the uh, uh, founder and president of your organization, I always like to ask, like, was it, like, 
you said that when you found that, you know, that recruitment marketing, that employer branding, like you found your lane, I call also like to refer that as to purpose. What, Mm -hmm. what was it about that, that just like ignited you? Cause it sounds like to me that you're like, man, I really found like, this is something I want to do for a long, long time. Yes, that's true. And I think you find that if you're doing something in your free time, you're probably passionate about it, right? Like if no one's paying you to do it, but you're still reading about it and educating yourself and talking about it and thinking about it, that's probably where you need to be. And so I found that at the container store around recruitment marketing. And then the more I got into marketing, the more excited I got. And I found myself on weekends reading about it and talking about it to people. And even when I started my business, I mean, it would be hard to go to sleep at night because I just kept thinking about ideas and my clients and things I could do for them. And so that really was confirmation that this is the lane that I need to be in. So all of you that are listening right now, take out a pen, get your notebook out, take some notes here, because there's some good stuff here. I I wanted everybody to hear what you just said, because I think that a lot of us are trying to find our lane. Uh, And we may be in that position now, but maybe we just don't realize, just like you said, it's uh, the things that are giving you joy that you're not even getting paid to do, like And that's all about self-awareness. Self-awareness is so, so important. Um, And so I want to ask you this question, and and we're going to get into leadership. I want to ask you, so you you went from the container store to starting your own own company. Like, that is a gigantic step. How did you do that? Like, are you, like, was there a lot of fear there? Um, Just give me, like, take me through that process of what you were feeling and, and where you're at today. Yeah, for context, um, my brother is an entrepreneur, my sister's an entrepreneur, my mom is an entrepreneur. I never wanted that life. I am very risk averse. I love having a 401k plan. I mean, this is this was never my plan. Um, but you know, I got furloughed from the container store um in 2020 because of COVID's impact on the retail industry. And so having time away from work really gave me space to dream and think about what I really wanted to do. I think a lot of us have that COVID reflection of do I want to commute? Do I want to be home with my kids? You know, there was just a lot of reflection going on. And so um, I had just had a baby, so I had a toddler and a newborn at home, which meant that I needed flexibility in my schedule. Um, and I still wanted to work on projects that mattered and help people. I really wanted to utilize my gifts and abilities in a way that impacted the world around me. So I just felt like it was the right moment to start a business. So founding Southern Lighthouse enabled me to have the flexibility to be home with my sons pursue my passion for writing and marketing full-time. So while COVID's been super stressful, it really, I'm grateful for the pause and the opportunity to start something new. I think, uh, you know what, I think I hear that as a common thread. A lot of people use the word grateful and gratitude. Mm -hmm. We just, uh, we haven't even come out of the pandemic. We are navigating through it now, but I'm hearing more and more people talk about how grateful they are and I, um, I'm actually sharing a presentation uh, at the upcoming HR Southwest Conference. I've shared it many times. It's called Great Leaders Are Grateful Leaders. And it's amazing 
just the different things we, we've talked about. And I want to I want to ask you a question around, uh, you know, the great resignation, because I was talking with a VP. Uh, actually, it was Carol Kibbers. I was talking with her on the show. Her show is actually um, uh, tuned up to play a couple of weeks before this one. And she had mentioned uh, not necessarily about the great resignation. She was more or less talking about the great reevaluation. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, that is so good. And I, I would just like to ask your thoughts on like, I mean, you, you pivoted, you, of course you got furloughed and now all of a sudden you're like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to dream. I'm going to go live this dream. Uh, but you know, we're hearing this, the great resignation. I was just, what are your thoughts around that? Are you hearing more about that? What, what, what's your perspective? Definitely. And that's a really interesting term, the great reevaluation. And I do think there's so much truth in that, that people have just had time to think and then the opportunity to live in a different way, you know, working remotely, not commuting, um, having kids at home more, working on smaller teams in this environment where the lines of work and home are very blurry. Mm. Um, and people have been asked to do more with less and do it in a new way. And I think that's been challenging for businesses and it's been challenging for employees. So we're in an environment now where unemployment is low. Yeah. Businesses are ramping back up. They're yeah. creating new roles. Job demand is high. Um, I know Bronwyn talked about that too. Employees are now being asked to come back in the office, commute again, and often that's not what they want. Um, and so I think workers are just curious, you know, are is the grass really greener on the other side? Um, you know, with all these factors, I just feel like the great resignation is upon us of people leaving jobs they've been in or, or just being curious about what else is out there. Let me ask you a question, because I talked to the first of the show about that quote that really stood out to me. And um, I just remember the impact. And I've talked to several leaders about this. And I, I'm just curious, from your perspective, like, do you think companies can continue to shape culture with remote work? Or do you think that there's going to be a there just need to be a whole different a look at um, this, this remote work and in office, in office work? Yeah, culture has always been super important and interesting to me. Um, you know, right now, my favorite projects are helping companies articulate their culture through their mm. website or writing blogs, profiling leaders. I think marketing culture is a really smart thing to do, both mm. from a recruitment perspective and a business strategy, because your culture is a differentiator. And, you know, culture isn't ping pong tables and free Doritos in the break room. To me, culture is the way you do things. Yeah. So I always ask a few questions around culture. How do you ask if it's someone's birthday? How quickly do you pay your vendors? What's the vibe someone gets when they walk in the office on a Monday morning? And what words do you use to start a meeting? You know, those are all examples of the way you do things. And all of those things still happen in the world of remote work. It takes effort to connect on someone's birthday, but you can still send his treats or shoot them an email or change your Zoom background to a party theme. Um, so yeah, I think even in this world, culture is still paramount and both from a recruitment and a business standpoint, 
Um, and it absolutely continues even when working remotely. Yeah, no, you, you, you're right on. And, and it's the, um, uh, Suzanne Myers was on the show uh, and she, I think she called it the easy, hard stuff, right? It's the easy, <laughs> hard stuff. Um, it's, it's really not, we, we can do it, but yet it, it, it would make it difficult. Hey, I want to, I want to ask you, you know, because one of the things when you're talking about this, uh, I think that a lot of times it's all about, you know, the leaders, how are they viewing things? I've talked to mm -hmm. some leaders that say, hey, we need our people back in the office. Um, and then others have taken a different look. Hey, if somebody asked, here you are now, you're, you're leading your, your company. If somebody asked you like leadership, what's leadership to you? How, how would you respond to that, Rach? Yeah, I, I think leadership is taking responsibility for others around you to make their life better. Mm. You know, you can be a leader in your household, take care of your family and make their work, you know, their environment better. I think you can do it at the office. Um, you can, you know, do it in any kind of, in your community, just being responsible for others and trying to make their life better. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's so good. So here you are, you, you pivoted during the pandemic, you're, you're, you know, in, you know, doing this marketing, which I, I love the story here. Um, and I'm just, I'm just wondering here you are, you're about a year and a half into it. Um, what's, I mean, so there's some people out there listening right now that have probably thought about, you know what, I want to, I want to pivot. I'm maybe not full-time, maybe I want to do it part-time, whatever the case may be, but any, any challenges that you have come across or has it all been just, you know what, it's, man, I just, I didn't realize it's going to be so easy. <laughs> No. And again, I'm a risk averse person. I remember having a very real conversation with my husband and saying like, can we really do this? Like, <laughs> is yeah. this a good idea? Cause this yeah. may be a horrible, horrible direction for us. Um, but you know, pivoting into a, a new industry, I just have found so much value in continuing to learn. You know, I'm suddenly, mm -hmm. I am, the entrepreneur, but I'm the accountant, I'm the marketer, I'm the CEO, I'm also the janitor and the office manager, you know, and I think there's always so much to learn in every area. Um, I always have a podcast playing, I always have two books going, I just, um, right now I'm teaching myself SEO, search engine optimization, so that I can help clients attract more clients. So every day I'm learning just to be better, and so I just say, you know, if you're considering something new, um, just learn about it as much as you can. Yeah, I remember I had um, Leanne Doss on the show a while back, and she had talked about the importance of employer branding, mm -hmm. and especially when it comes to recruiting. Yeah. And I think right now uh, that so the topic before the pandemic, war on talent. Now, yes. here we are. War on talent. We are right back. It's just different now. I think companies are trying to figure out how can we, how can we, you know, better our recruiting efforts. How can we get the right people in the right seat? Um, mm -hmm. Talk about recruiting right now. What are you seeing out there as far as recruiting? Are you seeing it being very challenging? Number one, and then number two, I want you to kind of dive into what are you seeing some companies do that are helping when it comes to like some of the things that you're doing, uh, content marketing. Yeah. Um, you know, I got an email from the Dallas zoo this morning that said we're hiring. I mean, I'm on their customer list 
And they're emailing me asking me if, you know, if I or someone I know would be interested in working for the zoo. So, you know, I got two things out of that. One is everyone is hiring. I mean, mm. you can't go to a retail store without it saying, you know, now hiring actively available. I mean, this great resignation is really happening. And, yeah. um, and I think it's definitely a job seekers market, like Broadman said. And the second thing I got from that zoo email was they're using their database to market a new message. You know, one, come to the zoo. Two, hey, would you like to come and work for us? You know, that's sort of a new theme that you have this group. I always think our customers should have your, your, your list, your email list of all of your active and interested subscribers. These are past customers, interested customers, people who signed up on your website. So this is your list and the values in the list. And so I'm on the zoo's list and they're utilizing their list to ask for recruitment advice, you know, looking for candidates. And I think that's a really creative idea um, of pivoting from utilizing the list saying like, come to the zoo in August, come see our new zebra to, hey, would you like to work for us? You know, you're already interested. Now let's tell you about something new, you know, that we're looking for is a new position. Okay, that is like three levels above fantastic. That is a great example. I love that. Customer to recruiting. And yes. uh, that is genius. Well, let me let me ask you this. What what are companies, what are some different things that you see that you think, you know what, if a company would focus on this, for example, uh, I've often heard about the importance of uh, website pages with storyboards or not necessarily even storyboards, but videos about, you know, why people enjoy working there. Give me some examples of what companies or e either A, what great companies are doing or B, what you're seeing companies should do and, and consider. Yes. So I have a client who's in the technology space and every month they profile an employee. Usually they'll pick a tenured employee and a new employee. I'll do an interview, write up a little story, and they'll post that on their blog. They'll also email it out to their customers and they'll also put it on social media. So one great tip, recycle your content. <laughs> you mm, don't have to write brand new stuff all the time, but push it out on all of your channels and share those stories. So they're also hiring. And so as people read, oh, I read about Ted and that he loves soccer and he has a dog. Ted seems like a guy I could potentially work with. I'll go over to the careers tab and I'll see if they have any openings. You know, this is just one way to get stories out there of real life people. It's not the CEO talking about something high level, which is great too, but these are real people and real stories because you're recruiting real people. Yeah. I really love that, that idea of uh, just writing your stories of your executive team. I read a, um, I wrote a really fantastic, I met a woman who is the HR director. She grew up bilingual and was an administrative assistant. And the CEO pulled her in the boardroom and said, Hey, I need you to translate this message to everyone on the board. And so she got visibility 
as an admin to the entire board of directors and the CEO with this skill set that she grew up with and quickly raised through the ranks. And now she's the director of HR for this company and really says a lot of that was because of her language ability. So I got to write the story of that transition from her, you know, coming in at a very junior level into an executive position um, because of her language skills being one of those amazing things. Um, and so, you know, I think that gives hope to people who want to look like her or have that ability. And it really spoke to the value she's brought to the company um, because she can communicate with every person on their staff, whether they're Spanish speaking only, English speaking only, um, or bilingual. It was uh, a really fantastic story. And I think by sharing that with their clients and their employees and with her, I think it gave her a lot of value um, to recognize where she's come from. Sometimes you don't even know your own story um, until someone pulls it out of you. But, um, but that was another really great way to share their culture and share a story of one of their leaders. Well, and it also says, hey, we value you and, and, and gave yeah. that employee a sense of belonging, right? Yeah. Well, here's here's a question I have, and I think the, that's a no-brainer. Like, why? Here's here's my question: Why don't more companies focus in this area? Is it because it takes time? They don't know how to start. Why why, why don't more companies do this? That's a super good question. <laughs> I don't like, know. Hey, I want to talk um, to them. <laughs> I, I I'm happy to talk to them anytime. Um, you know, I think because it's the long game. Yeah. You know. So often sales or business development or marketing, um, you want to just go in and get a client, you know, you want to kill the whale and pull them in, but, but really you're fishing for months, if not years, building your relationships, building your brand. Um, and that happens through those stories. I mean, I can't say that reading one blog article would, you know, convince someone to go and either work for that firm or, um, you know, purchase something from them immediately, but it's one of those multiple touch points. And so I think a lot of companies just want to go in for the kill, come back out um, and not necessarily play the long game. That, you, you know what? I think you're right on. I uh, In my upcoming book, Life in the Leadership Lane, I talk about uh, growing your influence and it all starts with trust. And a lot of people think trust, it's about building relationships. Yeah. And building relationships talk, takes a long time. A lot of people skip that step and and just want to go right in for the, the problem or whatever the case may be. And so, hey, let me ask you a question. I mean, you're a pretty driven leader. What, what drives you? I am really driven by growth. I love watching things grow. I'm a gardener in my free time. And um, I really love like planting the seeds, coming back, fertilizing, watering, you know, watching things grow and knowing I was a part of it. You know, that was one of my favorite things about my job at Beck was we'd hire an intern. They'd come back as a full-time employee. Then they'd grow up to a manager and now they're executives. You know, just being a small part of that growth story really, really drives me. I love that gardener that's fantastic hey let me let me ask you this question and since we're talking about content marketing here we're talking about ways companies can elevate uh that employee experience or you know that you know the retention numbers whatever the case may be social media it, it, i mean it's it's really it, it's gotten so big 
And I was listening to a guy uh, a couple of years ago, Gary Vaynerchuk, and he had talked about the number of posts that companies should have. And he was, I mean, he's, he's going big. Like he's saying, you know, it doesn't cost you anything. Companies should be posting, you know, 10 to hundred messages a day or, or whatever. How many posts should people, and maybe don't have the number, but how often should companies post how, you know, what is, what paint the picture of what that looks like for a good, uh, maybe a good system or good program for a company to think about when it comes to employer branding or, or messaging on social media? Yeah, that's a great question. It's one I get from clients a lot. Personally, I try to post on LinkedIn two to three times a week. And, you know, I'm doing that for two reasons. Um, one, just to continue those relationships. And when I say post, I don't just mean I'm putting something out there. A big part of social media is being social. And so it's commenting on someone else's post, liking someone else's post, sharing someone else's post. So being engaged and being social on social media is really the best way to do it. And Gary um, has a really great philosophy on that too. The other thing I think about is post quality content, Mm. regardless of how often it is, don't just put something out there to put something out there to check the box that you got something posted on Wednesday. When you genuinely have something interesting to say, say it. And if you don't, then don't. Yeah, no, that's so good. I think um, it's like anything else. You have to find your lane. I remember when I first started posting content, I might've posted one message or two messages, and then it just became more and more and more. But it's like you said, it has to become part of who you are. So for me, I'm part of Texas Sherm. So I try to post something on Texas Sherm. Mm-hmm. I'm part of the North Texas Relocation Professionals. I'm part of Armstrong Relocation. And then, of course, I try to drive my purpose and my mission through my uh, books. And so I'll, I'll share messages and things like that. But I think you hit the nail on the head, though. It's about engagement, isn't it? It's about really engaging and going the, let's say, the extra mile. And that is with one simple share. Yeah. And, and there's so many different opportunities. Let me let me ask you this for for uh, someone listening right now that just says, hey, you know what, I, I really uh, I need to take a closer look at my content mark. Any tips you could give any more tips you could give to someone listening that, you know, I don't know, maybe there's something that they need to be thinking about when it comes to content marketing, um, or, or maybe their website, you know, how important is a website, like maybe a a one or two things you would like just the listeners to, to know, um, uh, to consider as, as they think about this. Yeah. The two words that I would say are add value. Mm. Again, going back to the social media comment, if you're just posting things that don't matter, that don't resonate, that don't add value, it's not good for your brand and it's certainly not helping anyone else. Um, I have a, a client who, you know, I think sends out usual regular newsletters and is curious about what, what kind of content should we include? And I was like, whatever adds value mm. to your client, yeah. not to your grandma, not to your best friend, but your customer, and you probably know who your customer is. You should. Um, what's their demographic? What are they listening to? What are they interested in? 
you know, and, and think about what would be cool for them. What would add value? For example, my CPA sends out a pretty dry newsletter, but in one of those newsletters, it talked about a small business tax credit. So that added a great value to mm. me as one of their clients. Um, and so just think about when you're putting something on social, when you're sending out your email, when you have your website, what's adding value to the people who are looking at that? Yeah, I love that. Hey, last question before we uh, shift over to another area, and that is this. You're always going to have this question come up, and I would be shocked if you didn't have this question. That is, hey, Rachel, this all sounds great, but how do I, how do I, is there a way to show my return on investment? Companies are always looking at, hey, if I'm going to invest some dollars in that, how do I know, right? Is there a dotted line? Is there a straight line? Uh, Any thoughts around that? That's a super good question. And you're right. It's always hard with things that can be a little intangible to go back and say, this was absolutely why this recruit, you know, so that's why we asked that question during the application is how did you hear about us? People might say word of mouth, but they also got the newsletter. They also saw the billboard and they also were at the cashier and, and had a good experience. So often it's, part of that journey. There are 12 steps before anybody decides to apply. There may be 12 steps in the sales process before anybody decides to take the first step. And so each of those pieces are valuable. So what I do with my clients is I start with a business inventory snapshot. So they go through a questionnaire and we talk about how many LinkedIn followers do you have? How much web traffic do you have? Where are your sales at right now? So that we have a benchmark or a moment in time where we start. And then we'll come back, you know, in six or 12 months and look at all of those again to compare them to see if there's positive change there. That's so good. I love that. I appreciate you sharing that. And I know that there's probably somebody out there listening right now that says, you know what, I need to take a deeper dive. And so I'll, I'll definitely put your information in the show notes so someone can reach out to you. Hey, I want to talk about um, one last thing around leadership, and that is leading you, right? And so how do you lead Rachel? Um, is there a daily practice that you have every day that keeps you on track? Yeah, running a household, having two children, meal planning, exercise, all while running a business is definitely a challenge. I live and die by my calendar. I have um, enlisted an online calendar system called Calendly, and um, I blocked out my calendar so that I have certain times that I can talk to clients. So when I send them my link, they will sign up only within that window. And it really cuts down on the like back and forth. And could you make this work? I can't, can you make this work? So trying to automate systems as much as possible has helped a lot. There are finite hours in the day. And so I try to make the most of them, but I also, to be my best self, try to read and write every day. I think writing every day makes me a better writer and then reading every day just helps put new ideas and thoughts in my head. And I feel energized by that. I love that. And I love the word energized. Hey, let me ask you uh, one final question before we go to is time to accelerate. I always like to ask, you know, was there ever any advice that you received early on in your career, maybe even before your career started with your family, uh, that was so good, you just find yourself sharing it with others? Yeah, there are two pieces of advice that come to mind. One I got from an operations manager at Beck, and he said, your greatest strength 
taken to excess can become a weakness. Mm. And I, uh, I have found that to be true. I'm very proactive. I'm a fast mover. I like to get stuff done. So a piece of feedback I've received is like, you're moving too fast. Like Mm. give us time to think or give us time to process. And so, um, my strength of being proactive and fast has become a weakness sometimes where I have to catch myself and tell myself to slow down a little bit. So um, I found a lot of truth in that. And then when I started Southern Lighthouse, I called every entrepreneur I knew. And I just said, what advice do you have? Tell me your secrets. And over and over, I kept hearing there's enough work to go around. Mm. And that was such an abundance mentality. You know, some people think like they're, they're, you go in, you have to fight tooth and nail to get customers or to get work. But I've really not found that to be the case. I think there truly is enough to go around. Yeah, that is so good. Oh man, I appreciate you sharing that. There's enough work to go around. And I'm with you. Sometimes, you know, you get to moving too fast. You have to really, sometimes you have to just pause, right? Give people time to kind of take in your ideas. Um, One of the uh, things that I was talking about when I was talking about developing influence was you can't rush the influencing process, right? You just can't rush it. You have to, sometimes it has to be even be drip campaigns, right? Just little ideas here and there and then approach that. So no, that's so good. Oh my gosh. The time goes so fast. I have so many more questions. I'm going to have to take another dive with you on a lot of this. This is so good. Um, I just, I can't wait to share this. Hey, I want to shift over into the uh, last part of the podcast called It's Time to Accelerate. And you mentioned you're a book reader, you're a podcast listener, Um, book or podcast, which one would you choose? Love them both. You cannot make me choose. In the car, I'm always got a podcast on. And then if I'm at the house, I try to have a fiction and a nonfiction book going at the same time. So I... I'm, I'm sorry, but I can't decide, Bruce. I love that fiction and <laughs> I love that fiction and nonfiction. I mean, it kind of, cause you know, I read a lot of nonfiction and every once in a while I got to bring something else in just to kind of give me a, a different mindset. Yes. A hundred percent. I agree. Okay. Any uh, favorite podcasts out there that you're listening to? Uh, yours is fun. 1720 is really oh, fun yeah. and inspirational. And then I have been listening to the copywriter club. Mm. It's specific to people who are writers, but it has been so helpful for my business and just hearing from other people that are in this niche, uh, all the time. I'm going to have to check that out. The copywriter club. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Of course I write, I write every day too. You know, when I first started at Armstrong back in 2004, I read an article by Jeffrey Gittimer uh, who wrote the book, the little red book of selling. And he said, writing leads to wealth. And I was like, writing leads to wealth. What does that mean? And here I am 20 years later and I get it now. Right. I mean, I've now put out a couple of books. I have another book coming out, but it's not necessarily even that. It's just that I've grown so much from that. It's it's been incredible. Oh my gosh. Do you journal? I I do, especially when I am um, stressed or when I'm traveling. Journaling for me is just a way to process everything. And yeah. um, sometimes it's in a notebook and sometimes it's on a Google Doc. Um, Google docs a little easier to, to find, uh, later in the future, but, uh, but I do write and, um, and sometimes they turn into LinkedIn posts and sometimes 
nothing happens with them. But I think just the process of putting your thoughts on paper is really cathartic. I think that's interesting you said that because I've had so many posts that have not been posted. Like I've yeah. written so many things where I'm like, yeah, it's not, the time's not right for it. It's not, that's just for me. And you don't, so you don't have to put out everything, do you? You don't. And good for you. You know, that goes back to the conversation of adding value. You yeah. know, you made that decision. Yeah. It didn't add value at that yeah. moment. And, and I think that's really great. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, obviously you, you know, you're in a new season uh, in your career. What, what are you grateful for? I am super grateful for family and friends and health, especially after um, during such a scary time in our world that um, I still have my family close by. Um, I'm able to see friends a little bit and, um, and just knowing we're all healthy is, is really top of my list. Yeah, that's so good. Hey, so of course, you know, here we are, this podcast is playing in October. And so we're down the stretch of 2021, getting ready to move into 2022. What, what are you, what are you most excited about? My baby is a year and a half old and he is just on the precipice of talking. And I am so excited to hear what comes out of his mouth soon. I mean, we've got babbling going on and, uh, uh, you know, so much he wants to say. So I think in the next few months when he can actually articulate what's going on in his little brain, it's going to be awesome. I love it. I have a four-year-old grandson, Crosby, oh. and I have a two-year-old uh, granddaughter, Sutton, and Sutton is now starting to talk, and it is so energizing. Speaking of energizing, what energizes you? Big ideas, mm. my friends, and movement. I did a hit class this morning. I just started to um, an aerobics dance class. I'm not very good, but you know, I walk out of there feeling like I've, you know, I just have some, some really great, um, great energy after coming out of those classes. Yeah, that is so good. I mean, you've got a lot going on, but obviously you're purposeful about it. You, you know, you, you know, you live by your calendar, you try to put systems in place. I think those are all common threads of life in the leadership lane. As a matter of fact, in one of my chapters, I'll talk about automating and that's recording with purpose. Um, so I just, I admire all the things you're doing. And I think that, you know, it's, you're laying the bricks and I mentioned on, uh, uh Bron with Bronwyn, you know, you keep laying these bricks and one day you're going to look and somebody's going to say, Hey, where did that house come from? That's and right. it's from brick after brick after brick and just keep showing up. So I love what you're doing and I appreciate you sharing all this. Hey, I got one final question. One of my favorite questions. And that is. Rachel, 10 years older, is around the corner knocking at your front door, and you're going to go answer that door. The 10-year-old Rachel, what's she going to say to you? I think she'll say um, the seeds that you are planting now are going to grow into something really beautiful over the next decade. And I think that's probably um, true of, you know, looking back 10 years as well and saying like, you know, what would Rachel today say to Rachel 10 years ago? And, um, you know, what I found is all those relationships I built at Beck and at the container store and in my community and in my circles are coming back now as mentors and guides and relationships and customers, you know, all of those seeds that you plant, they keep growing. And um, with time and energy and effort, um, you can come up with something really beautiful. Well, Rachel, you are a gardener. 
I mean, you are <laughs> sowing the seeds. I love it. No, you, you're, you're right on. It, it's all about sowing seeds. It's all about, you know, showing up every day, taking the small steps. And one day it leads to, to that, that big thing. All the little things lead to the big thing. So I uh, love what you're doing. I'm so honored to have you on the show. I appreciate you sharing perspective. Hey, for those who want to connect with you, to take a deeper dive into maybe something you shared on the podcast, maybe it's content marketing, uh, more about your organization or taking that leap of faith and starting your own company. Uh, how could they connect with you? What's the best way? Yes, I live on LinkedIn. So connect with me, Rachel Kennedy on LinkedIn, you know, come to my website, southernlighthouse.com to subscribe to my newsletter. Um, the name really came from this quote I had heard a while ago, be a ladder or a lighthouse or a lifeboat to help others up or out or through. So the image of the lighthouse was really designed to mark dangerous coastlines and help clients find their way. And so I just loved that name, Lighthouse. Um, so my newsletter, I send out about every month. It's part inspiration, part business. I think everyone wants something uplifting in their lives. And I want someone to get something valuable, even if they never you know, work with me. Um, so my hope is people read the newsletter, get inspired and puts a smile on their face writing the newsletter has been a really great way to reflect on that month. I update people on what's happening in the business, give out my book recommendations and share a word of hope. So um, southernlighthouse.com and sign up for the newsletter. I love that. I will definitely sign up for your newsletter. I, um, I appreciate you sharing that because I didn't ask that question. Uh, and, and I love the story around why someone chose to call their company a certain name or why they chose a logo or whatever the case. So that's fantastic. As a matter of fact, I've been up to um, Maine and the incredible lighthouses up there. Uh, incredible, right? Cape, they uh, Cape Elizabeth. Yes. 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 I have been there too. And um, the symbol is just really meaningful to me of, you know, marking dangerous territory, keeping boats away, keeping them sailing in the right direction um, was beautiful. And then they're just really cool, historic buildings as well. But you're definitely driving in the leadership lane. I know there are good things ahead for you. So I just cannot wait uh, to, to watch your, to watch your growth and watch your continued success. And so, Hey, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate you. And most importantly, I appreciate your, uh, your friendship, Rach. Thank you so much. This has been so fun, Bruce. Awesome. I cannot wait to share this. I'll talk to you later. <laughs>